Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Bill Dorr, welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Bill, thank you for taking some time today to stop by and chit-chat. My pleasure, Tom. My pleasure. Well, today we have a little bit of a twist. For first, let me introduce my good buddy, Bill Dorr, the owner of Selmore Marketing. And Bill, let's put it this way, Bill's firm helps you populate your your waiting room with very qualified prospects and clients and he does it very well he's been my marketing coach for a while now and we get a lot of results from bill's philosophies and strategies but today we're not going to focus on bill uh in a very selfish way i'm going to be focusing on myself and the book called Unlocking Your Business DNA. And why I have Bill here doing it is, first of all, he's a fabulous MC, got a great radio voice. But Bill (laughs) was the person I dedicated my book to because he convinced me there was something and a message I had to get out there. And he really inspired me to do it. So, Bill, thank you for that. My pleasure, Tom. And, Bill... um, I'm going to hand over the mic to you, and we're going to talk about Unlocking Your Business DNA, which is a book on Amazon in both Kindle, uh, Kindle, I think it's $3, and I think the hard or the paperback is 9 and all profits do go to Wounded Warriors, and uh, we've been sending them some nice checks this year since we published it, so they're happy about it. So, Bill, I'm going to hand over the mic to you, and we're going to talk about this book. And again, thanks for inspiring me. I'm really having a good time with this book. Well, I'm glad uh, to be whatever inspiration I can. I mean, it's always a nice compliment and uh, happy to be helpful in any way I can. Uh, But I think that, you know, what it inspired, what it pulled out of you was a lot of history that you have accumulated over your uh, long and august career. Um, we won't go into necessarily how many decades, but let's just say that you have definitely earned your stripes. And um, I'd like to start out by just asking you some questions around the book, as well as we'll get into parts of the book and what you put into it. But, you know, just out of curiosity, uh, and, and this is kind of maybe <clears throat> what a lot of people like to know behind the scenes, but, you know, this was your first book. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden, for some reason, and and putting any inspiration or perspiration I might have put on you to do it, who or what really inspired you to write this book? Well, my father, um, who died at 51, 
And the, 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 there's a long story to this, but I'm going to make it short. Basically, I had entered the planning field, the finance, financial planning field in uh, 1970. At that time, my dad had an, a, a, a store called Daisy Gourmet across from the Glenwood in Hamden on Whitney Avenue. Very successful uh, business. Uh, he was 51, working many, many hours, but he had five kids and... Um, and uh, I came into the financial planning business that night in 1970, but by May of 1971, he died suddenly. And um, what happened was I watched things unfold almost to the point where I couldn't control it. I actually couldn't. I saw the family business uh, liquidated within three years for penny on the dollar. And this was a very, very cash flow rich business. It created a nice standard of living for our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched my 49 year old widowed mother at that time lose her most precious thing that I think she loved the most. And that was you know, Italian mothers, they may keep the plastic on the lamps <laughs> forever, but they love to feed the neighborhood. My mother loved being a mother. And because my father didn't do any planning, we had to sell the house and she had to then rent. So she moved from neighborhood to neighborhood, never really getting settled the way she was in her home. And the third thing I saw was the family disarray blame the blame game the you know things that happen when there's an estate uh well actually there ended up being no estate because the estate tax at that point was over 70 percent and the income tax was high Mm -hmm. and and remember now i just entered the business seven months ago i didn't know what i was doing i had no idea i couldn't help in any way and i got the firsthand education of watching attorneys and CPAs uh, bill my mother and I just couldn't believe mm-hmm. that whole process, right? And when I broke it all down, um, I, I realized, gee, this shouldn't happen to anybody, especially business owners. So it really f- motivated me to learn as much as I can and could at the time uh, about business planning, and that's where I focused. And uh, so it was really a, um, where I crossed the line kind of thing. Yeah. In a, in a lot of ways, that that sort of almost was the chrysalis event of your life because up till then, you were, you know, just going along, things were going well, everything seemed to be hunky-dory, and then, you know, this force that wasn't anticipated comes out of nowhere destroys the, you know, convenience of life as you'd known it. You lost your father. You, your mom went through all kinds of craziness. Your, your family was, was disrupted. And, you know, as they say, those kinds of events that come into somebody's life either tears them down or helps them build up. And in your case, you rose to the occasion, which I say, thank God for you uh, being who you are and, and doing what you did and going into the business and, you know, really making it a commitment, not just a, a, you know, a little bit of an involvement. So that does definitely explain why this was such a profound moment in the crossroads of your life. 
let, let me ask you a question as you, as you, as you started to put this book together, um, and obviously prompted by not only that event, uh, many years ago, I believe back in the seventies, if I recall, um, but now, you know, you put this book together and you called it unlocking your business DNA. What exactly Tom did you want to communicate or convey with that title? What does that title really mean as you understand it? Uh, first of all, thank you for the nice statements, Bill. Um, unlocking your, your business DNA, uh, I probably, if I wrote this book 10 years after that event, I would not have used that uh, title because I would not have had enough knowledge and, um, <laughs> you know, that, that you know that wiring that all of a sudden you come up with something but what it really what it why i use that title i look back after uh, over 50 years of planning and it's like you know i uh, it's like when you're 30 years old you really don't know where you're going to land when you're retirement you hope it's not under a bridge well i had the luxury of knowing where i land 50 years later and looking back and saying gee i was able to take this motivation and create a really nice planning firm but yet through that all of that i was able to take uh i only worked 80 days a year for 40 of those 50 years the first eight years i really starved to death tell you the truth but i learned a lot mm -hmm. and i said you know and i said you know that what happens there is i learned through different people in my life people that passed through things that i read um, motivated to read. People told me, read this, read that. And I learned through that. That was really my learning, my education. And I, I learned a lot about, you know, how to use certain things to create uh, the environment you want. And my environment was very happy. Was it stressful sometimes? Certainly. But I've always been happy. And I, I said, well, what are the things that I use to allow me to work, do very well, but enjoy my family and hey, take a ton of time off so that I'm always relaxed. And I put that all together and I realized that these are the things, they weren't too far away from the value drivers that we talk about as business builders. And it was about delegation, getting the right people, eliminating negative people in your life, putting a process together, have a system, uh, know that you can do certain things and you shouldn't be limited. The people you hang around with, reading good stuff, management systems. Um, and again, thank God to the, for the computer because I started fooling around <laughs> that with 1980. And it allowed me to create the process of running my business so that I could take a lot of time. So the unlocking of the DNA was really more about listen, there's so many tools out here. What you need to do is look beyond what you're seeing and how do these tools allow you to enjoy a wonderful business and personal life and not let your company be the monster that allows, that wags your tail. Mm -hmm. Make any sense? Oh, absolutely. It does. It, it for, for sure. It does. Um, I'm, I'm going to get into what's in the book or some of the things that are, you know, I wanted to ask about, and I think the listeners would like to learn about that might be in the book, but one last question that goes back to you and the book. And that is, was there any one thing that surprised you 
when you were putting it together? Something that maybe suddenly emerged from the Merc that you went, oh, there's an insight I'd hadn't either been aware of or hadn't thought of. And suddenly the, the action of writing the book brought some new insight to your attention that had been laying dormant or been building, but hadn't come to consciousness in many, many years. Was there anything that, that really jumped out at you as a result of your writing the book? Yeah, three things. Um, one, three things that I can think of. I'm sure there were more, but one was uh, when I started writing the book, and I think this was your idea. It started to conjure up a lot of old memories that I think I suppressed that my father died. Mm. Um, uh, I'm just writing some stuff here because there's there's some stuff here. And uh, at times it was tough to bring up those thoughts because I've really suppressed them for years. And what came out though, I mean, it, it was at times emotional actually was I would really start to really focus on what happened instead of just breezing by it in a sense, you know, we don't want to, we never want to think about the bad times. We, mm -hmm. by it. but I needed to go deep because um, as I was thinking about it in the book, every chapter I touch, I carry along with it at the end of the chapter, something I call the dream. And this was your idea, Bill. And it worked out really well. But the idea was, gee, what would have happened if Tom and his dad grew together professionally? In other words, Tom got better at what he was doing. <laughs> and dad just built his business better because he was getting great counsel from his son. So every, every chapter that I would bring up a strategy that I've used with business owners that worked really well, I would, at the end of the chapter two or three paragraphs to say, Hey dad, you know, remember Billy and Joe, they're really your key people. You have to give them more tasks to do. Let them learn how to be business owners. You know, it was my little way of saying, this is how you do it. even in a small business. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of grew where all of a sudden my dad was alive. Uh, really to the point where I said, wow, this is really cool. I'd even make a statement that, you know, mom doesn't want to go to Cape Coral. It's too hot. But I know at some point she's going to really want to go down there. And so I carried this forward to about 10 chapters. But I did get, I did tell the reader, well in advance in the introduction, look at, there's a personal part of this. Feel free to read it if you want to. It's chapter 10. And that's when I went through a lot of what happened. Uh, but I, I felt good about that. That was number one. And for me personally, it was great just to get those thoughts out. It made me happy, even though it was sad sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other part was there was a part in there I talk about building a team with the client. You know, I never really thought about how valuable that was until I started writing about it. And I, you know, many times in our planning, Bill, and you've been through this a million times with your, with your career, you know, you bring to a client a, a really good solution and it's, it sounds right. It's, it work. It fits all of the elements they wanted, but they can't make a decision. Well, it occurred to me fairly early that um, I did not want to have to sell anybody on anything. I wanted to be able to educate them. Why aren't you moving in my head? I'm thinking, 
Well, I know why I figured it out. Well, because they're regular advisors that they've known maybe longer than me, having given its blessings. So what I started to do was I would talk to the business owner and say, look, I like to leave, I like to work on a team. I, I, I don't have an ego. I don't have to be the chief of the team, but I really like to get your attorney, your accountant, your business advisor, whoever you want in a, in one room where we can talk about just you. And my question to them, what was the last time your accountant, your CPA, your business strategist, whoever, your investment guy ever got in one room and said, let's help Bill do, he wants to go here. How do we help him? And mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had a business owner say, oh yeah, they do that all the time. <laughs> so, you know, at first I had people fight me on it because there's egos and, um, I remember a couple of times I would say to the business owner, your accountant's a good guy, but he's got an ego. He can't let go. He can't just take. So you have to do one of two things. You have to have the talk with them or kick them off the team. It's up to you. And um, invariably, everybody, you know, realized what we were trying to do and was really good. That was number two. Uh, number three that I look back after I read it is I look back at all the wonderful, wonderful people that I read about them. I may never have met them, but I read mm-hmm. a lot and they are, they, a lot of them are alive today. They were, they encouraged me from uh, Wayne Cotton, who is the guy that convinced me that I could only, I, I only had to work 80 days a year uh, to MDRT was a fantastic education and impression on me and a lot of other uh, Alberta, I believe. Yeah. I've met Wayne. Oh yeah. What a guy, what a guy, you know, what a story he's got, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, so all of these people, when I look back after my career, I said, wow, they, they really had so much to do with what, where I ended up. So, so that's what I say in the book. I said, don't be afraid to learn, read, you know, talk to people, stay in good, positive company, and you'll mm-hmm. you'll do fine. Yeah. Well, you've certainly, uh, as as they say, stood on the shoulders of giants, and uh, you've become one yourself. And so, um, I'm going to switch the uh, focus a little bit because some people hearing this for the first time um, may or may not have read your book, may or may not know your story. Um, and I always like to sort of go to the end. Uh, kind of reveal the uh, the ending a little bit and then go back and reverse engineer. How'd you get there? But you have this one concept, which I, I think is phenomenal, uh, and that's called the beach. Yeah. Tell us about your life. <laughs> Tell us about your beach, Tom. And 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 I think you know, that's the inspiration that if people say, my God, you can get there. Well, how do I go about it? It, it puts in the context, all the things you have to do and all the blood, sweat, and tears you have to pay as, as pricing to get there. But I, I think it's important to remember why are we in the swamp? So tell us about your beach, Tom. Well, in all fairness and full disclosure, um, it, it was talking with you that um, I realized what, how to say it. And that was the beach, what it meant to me. And we, you, you maybe don't know this, Bill, but we had a conversation and, and the bottom line was what makes you feel great and how do you help people? And somehow or another, the beach came up because we always talked about the beach I live on. 
Well, the beach to me is really, have you found your beach? And it doesn't have to be a water beach. It means that feeling of comfort, uh, satisfaction, uh, the fact that you know that you are wired to help your family, your friends live a good life, live that lifestyle that makes you smile every day, be so appreciative of where you are in life. Um, no matter what your status, uh, you know, but you're you're happy and you're happy doing your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your beach. And sometimes uh, I found working with businessmen for so many years that they're fighting it all the time. And they're it, it's like that ham. Why do you cut the end of the ham off like that? Well, because my <laughs> grandmother did it. And her mother so businessmen don't realize that you need to get a a mindset that's different uh, and think outside the box. And if you do that creatively, you could really look at your vision down the road and say, uh, how do I get there? In other words, look at the end result. We've always heard that. I always Mm -hmm. looked at the end result. And as I was going across and things were happening, and then look back where I landed, uh, the beach is really metaphorically, I'm here. And I had so much fun over the last 55 years, even though some days <laughs> you worry <laughs> about a lot of stuff, but um, that's what I really meant. And I love any way I can help people get to find their beach. Got it. Uh, that is a, that's an aspiration we should all have. And I think we all have been given uh, some kind of bury it, ignore it, uh, don't try to listen to it, but I think we're all planted with that seed of an opportunity for whatever beach happens to be the right beach for us. And I think that uh, what you've done and what you outline in the book is how do you go about leveraging a business to help make your beach a reality? And so one of the earlier uh, parts of your book, you talk about something Uh, about why you can't fix the challenges or the problems of making your business support you and finding your beach. Um, I guess the question I have is why, why can't we, why, why can't business owners fix and find their own problems? Uh, One, I I think, and this is only my personal opinion. It's hard. Remember the business started somewhere, could have started in the garage and it could be now a big building or 10 buildings. But it was the baby. Uh, the, it was the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the baby that you created. Uh, as we go along, it's so hard to give up things that you created. You created the strategy. So what happens? Um, and it's almost nothing to do with ego. It's it has a lot to do with I created this. I'm afraid to let go of some of this. It's almost like a, a, a parent not letting go of their 21-year-old kid going to college. They have to coddle them. And that's what happens. It's control. They don't mean it. I mean, look, at we know, Bill, that one of the best business values to grow your business is to delegate stuff and only keep what you enjoy doing that you can do but teach others. And by mm-hmm. doing that, you free yourself up and other people are probably doing it better than you did it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the big stumbling blocks that people, uh, business owners, I should say, fight. They know it. They're aware of it. They sometimes won't admit it. 
And it also is one of the biggest roadblocks of why business owners don't work on their business, but love working in it and making the wedges. But they'll tell you, oh, I'm working on it. They're aware of it, but they just Mm -hmm. can't let go. And until they learn that, um, they're really stuck in the business. And uh, when I... When, when you ask me that question, the first thing that comes to mind is if, if that's the route that a business owner is going to go, I just want to say to them, they do not have a business. They have a job, they mm-hmm. have a place to go, they have a paycheck, but they don't have a business because <clears throat> the outside world who purchases these business down the line, because someday they're going to leave that business, death, illness, retirement, drop dead at your desk. Someone's going to buy it, right? But they don't want you there. So you have to teach people so that they can bring those people into the fold, give you top dollar for your business. So um, that's probably one of the biggest things I, I fought over the years with business owners to is to educate them in that area. Yeah. Well, you you know, the other thing that <clears throat> kind of goes along with that, and, and, and I know you talk about it, and I think it's chapter two, is the, um, the need for that objectivity of perception or point of view, uh, yeah, an outside advisor. And as you said, you know, there are times when you're talking with a client and you say, look, uh, either we get Charlie on board with the program or we got to kick him off the, uh, the boat. Um, you know, th- there's that, that, that position of advisor, which you have served in so many ways with so many clients. And that's also important because even if we have a tendency to maybe uh, want to do it all ourselves or think that we know everything, we need to have another point of view to be able to kind of, if you will, triangulate uh, on where we really are and where we really want to go. Um, how have you found your role as an advisor to be the critical element in getting people to move in the direction of where their beach is going to be found? Um, I, I did a lot of filtering. Um, one of the things. I'm sorry, did you say sculpturing? No, filtering. I'm oh, sorry. Filtering. Yeah, filtering. I was going to say, oh, yeah. another talent that Tom yeah, has. Oh, I didn't God. know I had that one. <laughs> Jeez, um, all right. I, I, somehow I learned, I, I, I don't know how I did this, whether I read or what, but I learned to filter the people. Uh, John Savage, one of the legends of our business, said one mm-hmm. time, it's the easy sale or the one you never get. And And what he was saying was, if you don't have coachable clients that are willing to accept you on what you're talking, the premises that you you uh, espouse, um, then you really don't have a matchup. So you need to move forward and go on. And I learned to do that very, very well by filtering people out quickly, because really, in order to be a good coach, you need a good receiver. Mm. Uh, I was an athlete and most of my coaches said one of the reasons why I was a very good athlete is Tom was very coachable. So if my goalie coach told me to do this technique or whatever, I just did it. I never, I never questioned it. Um, I had a coach for many years, a guy named Norm trainer out of the covenant group. I -hmm. used to fly to Chicago once a quarter for a long time in my expense but what I learned from Norm, and this is in my career too, I had already hit really good levels, but I I wanted more. Um, uh, you know, us meeting, Bill, uh, the influence you've had on me at this age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I think coaching, if a business owner doesn't realize that they need help and a different point of view, sometimes uh, that's going to make it harder for them. Um, but I think most business owners should have some kind of coach, whatever you want to call that, or advisors that kind of give them a different point of view and, and they're not yes people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think of, uh, you know, all the, the famous athletes, whether it be, uh, well, today, Simone Biles or, you know, Muhammad Ali or, you know, Michael Phelps or Michael Jordan, any, anyone who's ever hit the pinnacle of their success in their field, especially in sports, but they've all had coaches and it's not like they weren't talented athletes, but they knew that they weren't going to be the best they could be until they had someone else uh, involved in their process. And so that, that's, uh, that's a very important role, even for, uh, you know, an A-class level business owner, uh, you may have all the right stuff. And I know that, you know, you and, and, uh, and Joe, for example, meet periodically your, your nephew, um, and you act in that capacity as the mentor, the advisor, the, uh, Hey, did you notice this one? Did you see that one coming? I saw it. You, Oh, you missed it. Yeah. Well, next time you'll see it. I know how you act in that capacity with your clients and how important that is to the outcomes of moving them quicker and faster towards the vectors of where the beach is going to be found. So I appreciate your sharing those words on that. Sure. sure. Um, let me let me move to another key element of what you talk about in your book, Tom, and that is not just the owner uh, and not just the uh, advisor coach, but also the groups, the key groups of people in the organization. Uh, you talk about them. Uh, who are they typically and, and why are they so important to reaching the beach? When you say organization, you mean in the business organization? In the, yeah, in the company. Um, well, you know, uh, life is always better if you can go to work and not feel you're going to an adult daycare every day mm -hmm. uh, uh, because it, your, your uh, employees are much more relaxed. They feel that they have a culture. If you're relaxed and you have found your beach running your business and you're living that lifestyle, it really filters down to the company. They do so much better. Um, they get better people. People want to work there. They want to be there. Uh, on the other hand, if you're going to work and you feel every day is just going to be another bear and you're going to bury yourself in your office because you don't want to deal with everything, you need to make a change. I always go to Trader Joe's as a perfect example of, or Costco's, two well-run <laughs> companies that have great culture. Well, you can have even with a three-man company, that kind of culture, but it all starts at the top. So unless the owner, the driver, can find somewhere in life where they're, they found their beach, so to speak, if I can use that, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to create that atmosphere in their business with employees and other people that work with them. Even, you know, outside vendors, whatever, or customers. So mm. I think it's so important that owners realize that I don't want to run a business or have the business run me where personally I'm being affected and I don't know what to do. I'm kind of caught in a corner. Um, so, and even the advisors, Bill, even uh, I've been in situations where the attorney, the accountant, and people that have been working with these people are just miserable. 
and they, they never look at positives. They're always looking at negatives. I mean, I've told more than one employer that he gets, she should get rid of the, the advisors they have. And that would <laughs> at the <laughs> risk of getting, kicking my butt out. Okay. Cause I could see what was happening. It was, it was really toxic. So uh, if that answers the question you're asked, I think that's where I would, what I would say. Yeah. I, well, obviously, you know, no man is an Island or a woman either. And uh, we do need other people to make an entity that's bigger than ourselves. Uh, but you know, when you were talking about that uh, just then, I, I was thinking of how, I don't know, this is an image, but uh, it's almost like, you know, when you have, um, you know, a magnet, all the, uh, the, uh, atoms line up in, in alignment. And when you get something that's out of alignment, um, it kind of compromises the ability of the magnet to work as it's supposed to function. And in, in a way, I suppose that's kind of the way a business is too. You know, when you get people who are, you know, shooting off to the sides and having interesting tangents, uh, you know, my, my physics teacher from high school once said the difference between uh, force vectors leading you to a target and um, uh, an explosion is that one of them lines up after the other and leads you to where you want to go. And the other one just goes off in all directions at the same time. And, and I guess we're sort of in between controlled explosions and, and dedicated focus on reaching the beach. So keeping in mind who those people are and making sure that everybody understands and embraces the values of the organization is critical to um, having a well-functioning company as well. Um, all right, let me, let me move to another area here. And you talk about, um, using your business to build transferable value. And obviously businesses have value. Um, you've even mentioned how you have many people who have, you know, they're making, you know, north of half a million a year and in, in regular income and maybe with only three people in the office, but is it transferable? And what do you have to do to ensure that your company will be transferable if, and when the time comes, be it to an outside party or to a family group or to an employee group, Tom? Yeah, uh, I I think business owners today have put too, they put too much wealth in their business. In other words, I've heard people say, "I'm buying more inventory. I'm doing this machine. I'm doing that." Um, you know, uh, and what happens? It's almost like buying a nice house that the market's going well, and all of a sudden you put new kitchens in, new new everything in, you just do it, or you put it into the house and all of a sudden the market plummets and you're down $300,000, but <laughs> you need the money out of that house. Well, that's not so distant from what a business does. So I, I tell business owners, you know, there's a happy, there's a, there's a, there's a compromise here. Yes. Do you need more inventory? Yes. But you need to have inventory control. Uh, do you need more of your cash flow to go to your pocket tax effectively than in the business because it's harder to get it out of the business, mm. you know, especially for a partnership or an LLC partnership taxation, because once you start taking assets out of the business, when you sell that business, you can come back and in that year get bit income tax wise. So um, I, I, I talk about that and I said, you know, it's like this, if, if it's raining out and I was a business owner in my head, I'd be thinking, gee, if I could just reach out and take one of those raindrops and put it in my pocket, I'd like that because a lot of a lot of uh, rain goes through my business, <laughs> right? Well, there's yeah. ways of doing that and creating outside wealth so that if you did not sell your business for what I call its potential value, your, your future potential value, if something didn't work, at least you have a lot of your wealth 
created and funded by your corporate cash flow outside the business. Now, that being said, there's eight value drivers that every business should be aware of and that team should be talking about them every quarter. And it's like uh, I had a, I had a client. He had two really good people. And I said to him, these are your potential buyers of your business. But what you need to do is give them responsibility that you wouldn't give your family. I said, one of them is going to be in charge of cash flow. And one of them is going to be in charge of expenses. And every week you're going to meet with them and they're going to have the data. And in short time, they're going to be thinking like a business owner. Mm -hmm. Why is that important, Tom? Well, here's why. Because when you're 56 years old and you want to buy a house in Florida, you want Billy and Joe to run your business and you want to sneak your head in there once a a month to get your salary. But you're going to still own it and it's still going to go. Now, if Billy and Joe decides we want the whole whole deal, uh, Tom, all right, you guys sell it. Let's do it. You paid me over a period of time. You just created your wealth because you were willing to delegate. Now that's one of the business value drivers and system. Mm-hmm. Bill, you 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 are great on systems and process. And that is so key to create value in a business. If you're not doing that, you can't keep it in your head. If you don't yeah. have a transferable process and system you have almost no value other than inventory at discounted rates. Yeah. Book value, right. From the old days when we yeah. were learning our, uh, yeah. our P's yeah. and Q's, so yeah. to speak. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's the infusion of, of human effort and uh, creativity and all that goes with it that turns those hard assets into something that people pay an inordinately disproportionate amount of money for, uh, because it's what the people made it into. It's like, you know, we're buying, we are buying the dream at that point, so to speak, the dream that could be. And, you know, Bill, keep this in mind, you know, business just doesn't happen. Some, somebody has created a, a service, a widget, something, and they're good at that. But in many cases, they never ran a business. So unless right off, off the cuff, they're getting coaching on how a business runs, all they're doing 10 years later is working in the shop, making the widgets and not worrying about all the details. That happened to me and I won't get into it, but it took me three years to figure out that I was a lousy businessman. I was out there doing the widgets, right? Uh, so <laughs> you're a good technician, right? You love oh, doing yeah, what you did. Yeah, you were good yeah. at it, but, uh, it, it does take a shift, a paradigm shift to move to ownership and owners are people who are like the captains of the ship. They may know that somebody has got to put coal in the ovens or the, the boilers, but it doesn't have to be them. And if it is them, they shouldn't be the captain of the ship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So that's where good uh, coaching, that, that's where really good coaching helps a business owner, um, you know, and, 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 and create something. So I, in terms of transferability, it means that the value that you create can exist and maintain itself, even independently of your being present or involved. Is that correct? Something? Passive ownership is a very yep. common, if you do it the right way, I, you know, people say to me, when should I start thinking of transition? And I say, the minute you buy your business. <laughs> That's very true. It takes forever to create systems and you need the systems and 
you know, build those, that culture. So, mm -hmm. you, know, yeah, you know, that's the way it works. So you, you've touched on a couple of interesting things here, Tom. You talked about um, how using the business and the personal life um, have a very strong connection. You don't want to leave too much in the business. You want to get it out, but you also want to leave enough in it to establish value for whomever or whatever purposes you may have in mind in the future. You've talked about, I think it was in your chapter eight about the eight drivers of business. We touched on that a little bit and certainly mine mindful of, of what those are, um, helps you stay focused on the game and, and, and not get taken off into the sidelines. Um, but you, had, you also had a chapter where you talked about the 10, uh, biggest mistakes, uh, that, that business owners make. Um, and I know I'm going to put you on the spot because you put them all in there for a reason. They're all important, but if you had to put your finger on the one that you either see comes up the most often or has the greatest possibly most um, adverse impact on a business growth, transferability, happiness for the owner, et cetera. What would that be? And why would you pick that? I pick, I would pick the ability to delegate. Tell me more. Yeah. When, uh, that and, and, and maybe systems would be a, a parallel. They'd be equal, but delegation Getting it off your plate to get done more efficiently uh, is key because I don't think you can run or get a business to grow without it. You certainly can't get it to its full potential value to be sold if you have everything inside and you're the only person that knows what's going on and you won't share that. You need to delegate. I think without a doubt, I'm totally convinced. So in order to delegate, um, it's one thing to say, well, here, do this. It's another thing to have comfort that the person you give, whatever that is to, is up to it. So how, and you, and you talked about it before about, you know, with the, 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 the scenario that you use in the book where, you know, you say, uh, you know, Billy and Johnny, you got to get, you got to get one working on expenses and one working on, uh, you know, revenue generating ideas and they've got to be talking and start thinking like a business owner, but what, what do you recommend for, uh, development of the capabilities and the people who may have to one day take over for you and maintain your property? Uh, even if you're not able to, or even if you don't want to, it takes a long time and it comes back to culture and the way you treat people, because mm. if you have a good culture yeah, and you're, and you're, you know, you, you're building something and you, and it's awareness bill. It's, it's, I mean, in other words, I may not have delegated everything I wanted, but I want to delegate all these things and it's a process and it may take time, but to do that, I have to build a culture. I have to hire the right people. If I create a good culture, I'll get the right people coming to apply for my job. And through that, I can build a, a next uh, level management where I have confidence in these people. It doesn't have to be a family business, but you need that. You need to have the confidence that people are working with you that have the ability. Now, people can be taught. You could be taught to be a good businessman if you know the staples of being a good businessman. You know, it's it, it, that. So to you really have to understand that you got to get away from working on the widgets all the time to working in uh, working on the business and creating these relationships, cultures, systems. Um, 
And it's a mindset, I really think, you know, mm-hmm. you, gotta, you just have to do it. If you expect to get value out of your business, and if you expect to create something where you can walk away, but then come back, um, you know, the value of a business is not the salary you take out. There's many more dollars available with the potential value of that business. Mm-hmm. So, I'll give you one other thought too that I think is important too, Bill, especially mm-hmm. in today's environment. A lot of businessmen uh, say, "Well, I put a lot of money in my business, and this is my retirement." Well, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about this. Well, you know, you your lunch, let's see, your car. Your luxury, your country club, your lunches, your deal, your vacations, your health insurance, your boo, 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 your gas. Okay, now you sell your business, you pay almost 40% in fees, taxes, and that's going to go up maybe with this administration. Let's call it 50%. So you sell it for $3 million, $10 million, and by you clear $5 million. Oh, you're not going to put that in the market. Maybe some of it will, but you need this for income. What's 2% of, of $5 million, right? Mm-hmm. Is that enough to cover your lifestyle? You've had this for 40 years, your lifestyle, or 30 years, or the last 10. So sometimes selling it outright to a, 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 a outright is not really the best deal. Maybe you're better off uh, having a steady cash flow salary and having people run it for you or passive ownership where you hold on to the control. Yeah. Not unlike selling a property and uh, taking back a mortgage. Yeah. You still lend it. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and as I found out on some occasions, you can get back into it more than you thought, but that's okay. You get back into it and you get a chance to try it with somebody else again. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've got uh just a recap on what you said there, you, you brought up something that I thought was very important. And that is earlier on, you talked about how, you know, a business has its, its assets. And a lot of times we tend to invest in various goodies. You know, you and I both love a lot of Apple products and, you know, I'm looking at getting a new MacBook and all kinds of things, the, the toys, if you will, that go with it. But um, the one thing that all the toys turn into much more greater value is because of the people. And, and if I recall what you were saying, um, it was select the right people in the beginning, invest or develop in them those skill sets, mindsets that are necessary to be able to delegate to them those responsibilities that must be handled by somebody. In the beginning, it's probably going to be you, the owner. But as soon as you practically can, not possibly can, but you practically can, get it to other people, give them a chance to learn, screw up maybe, and that's part of learning. But eventually you'll have a team of people who can probably do it better than you ever could. And you'll have really built an asset of great value. Is, is that a fair summation of what you were saying? Yeah, that's that's really it, Bill. It okay. really is. Yeah. So we're, we're getting close to that point where we've probably got time for one or two more questions. I've got one question, and that is, has there been um, any question that you didn't get asked so far that you would have loved to have had an opportunity to weigh in on? And if so, what is it, and what would your answer be? Oh, that's a loaded one. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you got to have one, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's one. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I... I guess the question would be, is it possible for me, even though as a business owner saying to me, is it possible for me to reconstruct 
my company because I've done everything very badly the first 10 years? And the answer is yes. It's a matter of mindset. I, I want to tell you, if if I could run a very sophisticated planning business and, and only spend 80 days a year doing it, listen, you can do it. It's the right people giving up some stuff, uh, but it's possible. And I think it's, it's, People love to do their work. I mean, you, Bill, I know you. You love work. You and I both love our work. Uh, but but you know what? It's even more enjoyable when you have other parts of your life, I call it balance in life, where you love that too. Mm-hmm. And you can't get that unless you focus on the right things to do in your business because that right thing to do in business is like the wrong thing you do when you're growing up children. You spoil them, you coddle them. They'll never end up being on their own two feet. And if you don't do that with your business right off the bat, you're going to be a slave to your business and you won't have that opportunity of enjoying a really good business and personal life and enjoying life. I mean, as I say, this is not a trial run, Bill, right? <laughs> no, no rehearsal. No rehearsal. Yeah. So I guess that would that would be the question. How do I get where I want to go? And is it too late? And the answer is never too late, but you gotta you gotta reconstruct basically. Yeah. Well you're 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 absolutely right on to keep in mind that uh Putting yourself back on track, even if you feel like you got off or didn't know where the track was, is yeah. is definitely not impossible. It's like somebody uh, I forget who it was. It was a you know one of the one of the Navy SEAL team members. He said the 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 two key words are uh, or the three never give up. Yeah. You know when you do that, you're definitely over. But if you never give up, you you always find a way. And and I heard something interesting that I think, I don't know if you said it recently or something on one of our calls, but you said something to the effect of um, uh, anytime you hear something that is impossible, you know, oh, you can't do that. Always add the word unless, unless what, right? I think maybe that was something that came up recently in one of your posts, but it's so important to keep open the possibilities keep open the opportunities and keep yourself open to them as well. So you go with that. What, my final question for you then, Tom, is this. Um, you've you've obviously shared decades of wisdom. And I don't just mean knowledge. I mean wisdom. You know, you paid your dues. You got your bruised knees. You got up again after you fell down. You always got up one more time you, than you went down. And, and all that has been kind of reflected in and embodied in the book. What would you want the people listening to this today to know about how to either learn more about the book or learn more about what you do with your clients to help them find their beach? Well, yeah, that's great. Yeah, first of all, anybody can send me an email with a question at T-P-E-R-R-O-N-E at N-E-C-G-G. Inc.com. I'll put this all in the show notes. And okay. I have a great blog and I open it. Uh, you know, any question would be good. But I, I would really say pick up the book, read it. It's inspirational because there is a story behind it. But you know, when you had the uh, when you had the experience of using these strategies that I've used and shared with business owners and you saw the outcomes. Uh, it's kind of nice to know I can sit here today knowing that these things do work. 
and it makes your life much better. And I say read the book and and also read read really good positive stuff. I would say look into coaches. Um, you know, those things that are really going to help you grow. I always feel these are the things that keep you moving forward and you cannot stay stagnant if you do these things. But I'm always here. You can email me. I have a great business blog called yourbusinessworth.com. Go to it. There's great articles there. Um, and, and I'll put this in the show notes so that is always available. But before I end, Bill, I have to tell you, you have been uh, a tremendous inspiration to me because you have been, you got, you've got that logical way of, of looking at things that have helped me. You know, sometimes we get involved too emotionally with something because we're right there. And you've been a great coach to me to help me to stay more on the practical side than the emotion. So and then secondly, I want to thank you for encouraging me to do this book. It really was one of the best experiences. I didn't think it was going to be this kind of an experience. But my wife would tell me, she would say to me, <laughs> she would say to me, she said, Tom, I can't believe you have all the software in the world, but I can't believe you can write a page and have so many uh, spelling errors, grammar errors. I, and she's right, but thank God I got to thank her for being my publicist. She looked over everything and did the the copywriting and the editing. You know, yeah, you're so very thank lucky you, man. You are a very intentional man who created a life that you wanted, that you're enjoying, and that you're sharing with others. And I, I personally am one of the beneficiaries of your largesse. Uh, you're, you're, you're bringing the cannoli club together, by the way, folks, if you don't know about the cannoli club, you definitely want to ask Tom about the cannoli club. Yeah. If you want to put that in the show notes too, yeah, Tom, I will. I will. Um, I will and, and the collection of wonderful, eclectic, talented, brilliant people that Tom has surrounded himself with is, um, kind of like being the, you know, center of attention with all the little, uh, sparkly gems all around the center. Um, uh, it's, it's a great, great way you've, uh, built your business, your life, your friendships, your relationships, and, um, I'm privileged and, uh, delighted to be a part of it. Well, and I thank you for thank letting me come on today and yeah, thank uh, ask you. you some questions yeah. for a change so we could have a chance to hear from the man himself. You're, you're my, you're my Marv Albert. I'm Bill. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much. Um, thanks so much. And folks, I'll have everything in the summary notes. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C-Inc. And on the subject line, type DNA. 
include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necggink.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.